building something that gives control back to the end user has really been what the internet's all about. And I think what we're building here today is kind of another layer down. And it gives the end user even more control over what's available or what's coming to their home or their business. Hello, this is the Community Broadband Bits podcast from the Institute for Local Self-Reliance. I'm Lisa Gonzalez. This is episode 173, and Chris is in Ammon, Idaho, visiting with Bruce Patterson, Technology Director for the City, and Ty Ashcroft, Systems Network Administrator. There's some new and exciting things happening in Ammon, where the city is taking a new approach to building out its open access network to bring fiber to the home. In this interview, Chris also talks to Bruce and Ty about the city's award-winning public safety app and how the network will open up choice for subscribers in both providers and services. Chris was in Ammon working on our next video. Now here's Chris talking with Bruce Patterson, Technology Director for Ammon, Idaho, and Ty Ashcroft, Ammon Systems Network Administrator. Welcome to another edition of the Community Broadband Bits podcast. I'm Chris Mitchell, and today I'm on location in Ammon, Idaho, with Bruce Patterson, the Technology Director for the City of Ammon. Welcome to the show. Thank you, Chris. And Ty Ashcroft, Systems Network Administrator. Welcome to the show. Thank you. It's great to have you back. Have you on, Ty. Bruce, you're back for maybe your second or third appearance. I'm not sure. Yeah, I, I've lost count. Yeah. Um, so we're here. We're shooting this video on your network that will be coming out in a few months. But there's so many interesting things I wanted to just uh, get a podcast out on it. And this actually comes right on the heels of another discussion about open access that was a little bit more theoretical last week. So I think it's really interesting to talk about how you operationalize it. Um, but to start, let's just, um, for those who haven't listened to the past podcasts, first of all, you should pause it and go back and listen to it. But if you're not going to do that, Bruce, give us a very quick summary of what you're doing in Ammon. We're focused on trying to get to the residents and provide them with an open access network that gives them choices in services, service providers. And we feel like there's value to that. But for us as a small city, we really have to minimize our operational costs. So we're trying to automate that process for the end user. And we're going to really dig into what that means uh, in a minute. But first, I actually wanted to get into a sense of how you're paying for it. Because I think, and we've talked about this in the past, you, you paid for the stuff you have already uh, by, uh, by having the city um, use it for its internal uses. And that justified pretty much all that you've rolled out. Um, you've also done some rollouts for some uh, commercial customers as well that they've paid for. Uh, but what's the model moving forward to get the network to the whole, to, all the way to all the homes in Ammon? Well, as you can imagine, it's important that a reasonable number within a particular geographic area or neighborhood want the service. So we're, we're driving that, trying to see what the take rate would be within the neighborhoods. But in terms of the financing for it, it seems logical that since fiber to your home raises your property value, that we'd find some way to bond for that and put it the payment for that bond as an assessment on your property tax because it does actually increase your property value. So that's our goal. We do that with what they call a local improvement district. People will refer to those as LIDs. So basically, I could I could opt in, and then there would be, based on the number of people that are opting in and the cost, that would determine how much it would cost for me. And I could either write you a check for all of it, or I could put it on my property taxes. That's exactly right. So if you want to pay for all of it, part of it up front, uh, you can let, uh, let it be bonded for, and you can go down and pay a portion of it. And then uh, it's just collected, as we say, through regular assessment on your property tax until it's paid off. Do you have a sense of, for an average person, how much that might cost per month? 
Well, we have a target, and we feel pretty comfortable. We'd like to see it down to $15 a month on an average. Obviously, the payment happens a couple of times a year, so. but if you break it into a monthly cost, it's going to be somewhere right between $15 and $20 a month. Okay. And if I'm uh, the neighbor that doesn't want it, what happens to me? Nothing. There's no assessment on your property. And that's where it's interesting because you actually have to describe that LID as an opt-in or an opt-out. So you describe a geographic area and you say it's everything in this area except for, so that would be an opt-out, or you say it's this geographic area and it includes all of these. And so then that would be an opt-in. Mm -hmm. So you basically describe it as an opt-in or opt-out and that's how you do it. Okay. And the city will not be providing uh, any services directly, or at the very least, you won't be. I mean, it's actually kind of interesting in that the school district or 911 dispatch may develop an app for your system, but um, your job is to provide the roads. That's right. We won't provide any service uh, other than we do intend to provide what we're considering a lifeline service. And you and I have talked about that a little bit. Yeah, and we'll describe that in a second because I think it makes a little sense now to to start, talk about how people will interface with it. And uh, we had, you had an open house here last night with people to come in and to test drive the system. And Ty, I'm wondering if you can tell me uh, what people saw when they came in and how you walked them through what they were looking at. Um, so one of the first things we described to the people who came to the open house last night was something that they were looking at was something that does not exist anywhere else on any other network. And that's really the opportunity, the option for the customer or the homeowner or the business owner to take that fiber line and decide for themselves based on what services are available in the system at that moment. Um, basically make a choice what services they want. They can take one, two, three services or none. The people that I talked to last night thought that that was incredible. Um, something that obviously they don't have right now. They don't even have the option. A lot of people don't even have the option more than maybe one or two internet service providers. And they've already tried both of them or, and are still dissatisfied. So to have an option to actually get to more services was groundbreaking for them. And So you actually had um, three demo services last night. And I think it helps to understand how you're breaking the service away from the fiber line itself, the physical line. Mm -hmm. um, when people would subscribe to one service versus a different service last night, and this is on the same fiber, the same PC, were they having different experiences from the different service providers? So definitely. Um, we had one service that uh, only offered 30 meg, and it was from one internet provider. And we could actually see a different quality as they were doing different things on the internet. Um, versus another service provider across that same fiber. So it was kind of interesting for them to be able to see that there are different options, service providers, and they offer different levels of service. And according to maybe what a price might be on that service, you know, maybe there's a service provider that offers a lower price, but it's um, sold to more customers possibly um, to get that price down. So there's a lot of different options that they have at that point and to get that quality that they may desire and so maybe they're willing to pay a little more for it. One of the things I found interesting is that the fiber actually runs into this box. And out of that box, I think we're used to seeing in our homes maybe one or two cables. 
But this box has different ports, uh, different Ethernet jacks, basically. And so you can um, choose which service goes to which port. One of the use cases that I found really interesting was the idea that, um, you know, in my family, we might have one network that I'm on and my wife is on, and we can do whatever we want on the Internet there. But I may subscribe to a second service additionally, which would provide some level of filtering, and that would be the network that my children's devices were connected to. And they would have no way of knowing how to jump across that, basically. And so it's actually a little bit better than a firewall that I'd have to set up myself or some sort of filtering. Uh -huh. um, I just found that to be really interesting. And for me, logically seeing that there's different ports helped me to understand the vision. Um, are there, what kind of services get you excited or, or interested in terms of this? Definitely. And along the same lines, um, there are several businesses that, you know, without the Internet, they send everybody home because they can't do anything. So having a secondary Internet connection would provide some resilience. Um, so another service that we're talking about is uh, healthcare. You know, healthcare I think, is a big one because a lot of people are concerned about privacy and, and keeping their health records safe and not on the Internet. So... A service like this, where we're actually driving it from the endpoint or the user's endpoint to, say, a service center, which is on the same network, it would never touch the Internet. So, what do you mean by never touch the Internet? So, never touch the Internet. Um, so, we built that road from your house to our service center and say there's a server that belongs to a service provider that sits there and... It also has its own road to the people who manage that service. Um, so that's all separate from the Internet. It, it actually doesn't cross the Internet. It stays separate. Well, what, what are the benefits of it never crossing the Internet specifically? Um, main, main benefit, I would say, is just the security of it all. There's no chance of a hacker trying to hack into that because there's, it's, it's been said that the, the only secure computer is the computer that is turned off or is not connected to anything. And that's basically what, what we're doing because it's, it's got its own individual road or pathway from one end all the way to the other end. Right. I think you might think of it as like, a, like the water system and the sewer system. They do not intermingle, right? They're two separate systems in our roadways. And road you would ways. never want them to in intermingle. That would be... A, be quite a, disastrous. A health violation, right? <laughs> right, absolutely. Um, and I also think there's a there's a quality of service angle to that too, right? Because when you're on the internet, you've lost control of quality of service. You're using other people's networks, but if you keep it local, then you have more control, right? Exactly. We we've had all these conversations um, about the um, the live fire or the active shooter, and just briefly tell me about that. But I want to really get into how the network. The way you've configured it really gives more power than if someone was just doing this over a, a you know, a network that had been built um, with just happened to have a gig that didn't have all the wizardry and the software-defined networking. So Active Shooter deals with uh, what we're seeing around the country, and it's very unfortunate, is that uh, people take guns into schools and they start to shoot people. So. Now, theoretically, that actually could be any location. Yes, uh, it does not have okay. to be, but in, in this case, it was around a school demonstration. Yes, we, we focused on a school. could be a mall, could be a movie theater, all things that we've seen. could be any place the public gathers, any kind of a sporting event, arena, or anything. You could do the same thing. So what the, the idea was is that in the event that something like that happened, how could we automate the process? Because the response process currently is that law enforcement simply sends everybody they can send and they send them in there in mass as fast as they can and they are simply just charging 
the area where they believe the shooter to be and looking for a weapon. Mm-hmm. And that's how they do it because they found that they've got to minimize the timeline. The longer the timeline runs, the more casualties they have. Mm-hmm. So they find found that the best results are simply just to go in there and bring an end to the situation. So the concept was is that we would use infrastructure in IP cameras specifically in the schools that already were there and that dispatch could receive those signals but they can't really sit and monitor them so dispatch really is only interested in that content that video content when it's specific to them so you need some kind of event so when the event happens in other words there's a gunshot the sensors actually send a signal to the network and tell the network to establish this connection the connection then is of the nature that it can expand to support up to however many cameras they want. So if it's just a single camera, it only utilizes what it needs, but because that particular service is private and has priority, we've set it up so that it it will get whatever it needs. So it can kick other services to the side and say, you're not nearly as important to make sure dispatch gets what they want or what they need in an event. Mm What I find interesting then is that if you were to provision that, let's just say that you want to do this on leased services, what 911 dispatch would almost have to have would be a gigabit to every possible location where they would be doing that. And that connection ideally would never be used. Mm-hmm. And so uh, that would be a tremendous cost on 911 dispatch. And um, it would be effectively a lost cause because we would hope it would never be used. Maybe it'd be used once or twice, but they're paying, you know, twenty four seven for that connection. How is your network different? For a municipality, there's a couple of things to look at. Number one, the fiber's already in place, so the school has their resources, and, and they can terminate all of those services. And I'm talking about IP services, the camera services, and so forth at a single point. We have fiber there. We can plug it into that fiber. We, we add some automation. But that fiber is already there, and in many cases it's already being paid for because we have other things we're doing with it. But we acknowledge at the same time that if we had an event like this, those other services certainly are not of the same priority as what's currently happening. So if that fiber is there, we simply just allow that to happen at no cost because it's already in our wheelhouse. It's already in our charger mm-hmm. to do public safety. So why wouldn't we do it? So I think that's, that's where it becomes a little bit different for us mm-hmm. versus a commercial entity that looks at it and says, well, if we've got to reserve one gig, whether you're using it or not, and we don't know what's going to happen, then here's the cost. It's a different motivation, a different incentive entirely than it is for us. So the, um, the, the scenario is basically shot rings out. You have some logic locally that determines, is this a gunshot or is it some other loud noise? Mm-hmm. Um, it determines that it is. It, 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 it automatically figures out which cameras are close, and you can even do some trajectory tracing, I understand. Yes. And it, it gets that information to dispatch immediately. Dispatch can immediately get that out to responders. And the interesting thing is if dispatch needs to use a full gig to get 60-some high-def cameras running, they have that capacity available. That's correct. And... It was pretty compelling. You know, obviously this was a work in development, so we had some goals up front and, you know, we weren't sure exactly what the timeline would be. So we kind of said initially this goal that uh, could we get an image to dispatch in five seconds? That was kind of our initial goal. The image of dispatch was typically a second, two seconds, and typically within three to four seconds, that image could be verified by a dispatcher. If they're sitting there waiting when it pops up and they see it, and it could be sent to the smartphones of the responding officers within five to seven seconds. So the people going in actually have an image of the shooter and a location on a map on their phone showing where they are in the building within about five seconds of the shot being fired. So you sent a a sheriff into a school to test this on a Saturday? 
We've tested it multiple times. Yeah, sometimes on a Saturday, sometimes on weeknights. Uh, we had a request to demo it when the students were in school, and so uh, we actually did some testing with the students around the building at one point. Wow. The other thing that I want to make sure that we, we touch on is, uh, you mentioned at the beginning, the Lifeline service. And, and for me, this is a, a better sense, once again, of the kinds of things a portal could enable. Ty, tell me about the, uh, the Lifeline system that you're developing. Um, Lifeline is basically, so I've got this connection that comes to my house, but I don't have any service on it. Um, it's kind of like a phone line. So a phone line, a Lifeline service on that would be still have the ability to dial 911. You still have the ability to do what you need to do to do some of those life services uh, so for and that's, us, that's if I'm not subscribed to anything. So right. So if you're not yeah. subscribed to anything at all. So if I was, let's just say that, for instance, I was um, a person who had a, your service, a friend, had your network. Mm-hmm. And I was paying the maintenance fees, which uh, and the, the the costs potentially if I put into my mortgage. I'm looking at fees of between thirty and forty dollars a month, perhaps, to have that line on. And um, and I have had service from an ISP in the past, but I've disconnected it now. So I'm not actually paying. Yeah, so any if you've service. lost your job or whatever, at this point you've decided you want to save that little extra money because you've got food to buy or whatever. Um, but we still want to provide that lifeline service, which would be an internet connection. Uh, basically, you would log into a portal, just go in and select the internet services in that portal and select lifeline. And that lifeline will hook you up to an internet connection. It's not going to be anything earth-shattering, but it's going to be enough internet to, say, do some job applications online or um, to look up information that you need to look up. Um, it'll probably have a timer or a time limit on it. It's, it's not going to be conducive to you know, streaming videos or that sort of thing. It's, it's really for um, those life services that you need at that moment to do, do what you need to do to... Uh, or to get out of that rut in, in your life again. So right. So if I was needing to apply for jobs, or if I needed to fill out, um, you know, perhaps a assistance from the government forms or something like that online, or, or, to... or you can't make it to the DMV, so you want to pay for your car registration online, that would be an option. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, I think that's it's fascinating, and and once again, it's just. In my mind, this is one of those differences that the way that you guys think about the network differently because you're a part of the city, you're a part of the community, and you're looking and you're saying, it's not a matter of how can we get the most dollars out of this network. It's we've built this network in a financially sustainable fashion. How now can we provide the maximum number of services to the community? The Lifeline service has had an interesting impact the concept has on the commercial providers because we've automated your ability to sign up and get service from an ISP to almost each and every provider as they've listened to us describe the Lifeline service, they've all agreed that they want a button that says test drive our network for 24 hours. So almost all of them now recognize that what the end user can now do is sign up and leave, sign up and leave because we've automated that. And so most all of them have said, we're going to let them try test drive our network for 24 hours or 30 days. So it's going to start to evolve into more of a Netflix situation where mm-hmm. you go, you sign up, maybe give them some payment information, and it's free for the first 30 days so that you can cancel if you're unhappy with it. So it's an interesting what the automation does in terms of enabling the consumer to have a little more control over it. Well, let me just nail that down for a second. How many phone calls do I have to make to change services, and how long do I have to wait? About five seconds, no phone calls. So it's just clicking a button, and it's all done. That's right. 
And you can subscribe to more than one or none. Right, because as we were talking about, you could have you know one you could have one gig connection on one port and another gig connection on a different port from a different provider. That's right, exactly. And another one of those, and I'll pass this over to Bruce, would uh, also be uh, public safety, and we've talked about that a little bit. But um, public safety back to the home user, and uh, anyway, I'll let Bruce talk about that a little bit more. So public safety, uh, it used to be they provided a service, uh, and I think in a lot of respects. They've, they've really, as a result of the rise of technology, feel like they're in a response mode, meaning that, that all these changes are coming at them and they just have to react. They, they don't really get an opportunity to, to think forward and say, what would we do if we could? And so our feeling is that our network allows them that opportunity to start to think about what would we do if we could instead of just simply saying, okay, now we've got to figure out how to do text. Now we've got to figure out how to take video. We've got all these things coming at us. Instead, they can now say, we have a dedicated network, and that network goes into the homes in this community. How do we want to use it? It's a different thought process. So in talking with our local dispatch, they've asked us to help them because they're not exactly sure how they want to do this. But what we've talked about would be similar to an enterprise collaboration service. And what those typically involve, if you think about it, you sit at your desk and you're part of an enterprise or commercial organization of any size, you have an option, video chat, SMS, or you can simply pick up the phone and call. 911 could offer any of those flavors across their own private network at no additional cost to them, and the homeowner could choose what they wanted and what they didn't want for emergency services. So if you want an Amber Alert and they're going to send it out text, you could say, give me that text, or you could say, give it to me as an audible alarm. And not only that, I'm a night shift worker, so don't give me an audible alarm through the day because if it's an Amber Alert, I don't want to be woken up. But yet we can give the control to the other side at dispatch and say, what if they need to evacuate? What if it's a fire and we need to wake them up? They could override that setting. So because we give them their own network, they have all the control at the edges they need. Well, I find that amazing um, in the sense of right now, I think a lot of the reverse 911 type stuff, the idea of dispatch to reach out to people who may be unaware of danger, is predicated on your geographic location. But if I'm working and maybe I have a family member at home or, or, or maybe I just am worried about my pets, um, you know, I might be notified even though I'm outside of the region, this thing is going on and it's impacting your, your house. That's exactly right. You think about the enterprise, again, the commercial enterprise collaboration services you get. When you leave your desk, you can forward your phone. So you can do the same thing from your home. So you're really what we're trying to do is get the network out of the middle of your business and just make it easy for... Uh, your provider, and you to come to terms and do whatever you want without having to deal with us in the middle. That's great. Are there any final thoughts as we wrap up the show? What else is really great about this network? What makes you excited to work here, Ty? I, you know, let me just say, that. I'm guessing that's your Jeep out there, yes. and it's been out here every minute that I've been here, and I've been here for a long time, so you put a lot of time in here, I can I tell. Do. I do. It's, it's definitely something that I'm passionate about, building something that gives control back to the end user has really been what the internet's all about. And I think what we're building here today is kind of another layer down. And it gives the end user even more control over what's available or what's coming to their home or their business. And just being able to select or you know have that option to do whatever they want with that connection, including um, something we haven't talked about, which would be kind of like a LAN party idea. So say I've got a business in town and I live in town, 
I don't want to use a VPN to connect. I want I want to be on my network at real speeds. So what I do is I just at no additional cost send myself an e an invite through the system from my business to my home. I can connect my house to the business over that network at gig speeds, and so it puts me right on the network. Um, I'm not slowed down. I'm not dealing with VPN issues or trying to have to log in. Um, I can use that as a separate network at my house so my kids aren't on it. Um, they don't even have access to it. And, you know, I'm able, especially as a systems administrator, I have to be tied into my systems and I have to know what's going on and I have to be able to fix things at a moment's notice um, at 2 o'clock or 3 o'clock in the morning when things like to happen usually so right you know i'm just sort of imagining um in a in a gaming scenario where you might be interested you might be playing games with some of your friends across the internet so um, that's where the land party idea comes from actually right so and let me rephrase that I, I can imagine you're in a situation where you're on a land party you're playing these games and you have this private connection what's interesting is that you can do that in such a way that if your wife decides to suddenly upload to Dropbox that three gigabyte home video that she's been making about the family, it's not going to suddenly kill your ping. It's gonna, you're going to have that separate and you'll be able to have a high quality of service still for that local connection. That's exactly right. So the beauty of fiber is we can do all of that and more today and it doesn't really cost anything more to the home subscriber. and. Um, I like to think of it as different lanes of traffic that don't touch each other and you can exactly like you're saying Chris do do everything simultaneously yeah terrific well thank you both yeah, thank you thank you Chris that was Chris visiting with Bruce Patterson technology director for the city of Ammon Idaho and Ty Ashcroft who works for the city as systems network administrator discussing the city's new fiber to the home project Send us your ideas for the show. Email us at podcast at muninetworks.org. You can follow us on Twitter. Our handle is at Community Nets. If you're on Facebook, you can find us by searching for Community Broadband Networks. We want to thank BKFMB side for their song, Raise Your Hands, licensed through Creative Commons. And thank you for listening to episode 173 of the Community Broadband Bits podcast.